0: Iroh, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton.
1: And welcome to Schooled with the Professor. John Clayton here. Of course, uh, it's the football. It's always the football season. Of course, that's the great part because there really isn't any off season in football. And of course, the big story this off season has been Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, really changing the outlook for that franchise, which has been you know so bad for so long, and giving them hope. And joining us here on Schooled with a Professor is Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, and so uh, who covers a team, and of course has covered the team for so long. So it's like, how I mean, how weird is it for the Bucks? I mean, the, you know, the Bucks all of a sudden, you know, they get Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, they get Rob Gronkowski, a potential Hall of Fame uh, tight end who went to my high school, and you get the two of them, and you know, there's a chance that no fans can be in the stands. <laughs> Is that just typical?
0: It's typical for, for those of us who have uh, covered this franchise. I mean, it's the old, we can't have nice things, right? And and that's, that's sort of what, what it's been with the Bucs. Um, you know, they've never had, obviously, any, any – player close to this with, in terms of credentials, but they've had a lot of quarterbacks go on and win Super Bowls, whether that was Doug Williams or Steve young, or even Trent Dilfer. Um, But yeah, to get, to get the goat, right. To to actually land, uh, you know, uh, the white Rhino and, and, and not be able to even really have a press conference. I mean, we've talked to Tom one time and it wasn't even a zoom call. We couldn't even see his face. It was just the old fashioned uh, conference call. That you dialed into, so it's been really, uh, really frustrating from that standpoint. I know, you know, to imagine him playing uh, without the fans having an opportunity to uh, to go and, and and you know and be at the stadium is is tough to say the least. But they're living in their hopes and not their fears right now. And um, when, if they do play games, they they at least feel like they have a quarterback that can help this this team get over the hump.
1: No question. And, you yeah, know, but it's funny because uh, here's the thing that I wonder about. Because, uh, I mean, can one player or two players make as much of a difference as everybody is thinking? Because I think, you know, automatically you figure Brady's going to be good for at least two or three wins if he plays the 16 games. And you would imagine that he would. And that puts him in a wild card. But people were starting to speculate that, oh, yeah, now they're going to win the division. They're going to beat the New Orleans Saints, topping them in the division. And that. Yeah, but other than the draft choices – and two backup offensive linemen, you know Brady and Gronkowski are the only additions on this team.
0: Yeah, that's true, and they're pretty big ones. I mean, especially the quarterback. And I would just say this: I, you know, I've talked a lot with um, the Bucks and and um, you know guys like Clyde Christensen and, and whatnot. And you know, the thing is. This football team was seven and seven a year ago. Um, they had two very winnable games against Houston and, and um, Atlanta to finish the season. They threw those away. I mean, we look at Jameis Winston and the you know the thirty interceptions and one hundred and twelve points off turnovers. They felt like they could have been easily a nine or ten win team. They missed some kicks that were critical as well. So nothing is ever the same, right? You can't just say, well, you know, we just get rid of those one hundred and twelve points and add Tom Brady and we play exactly the same season and exactly the same schedule, we'll be okay. Um, however, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a horrible football team, and their defense did get better, especially the young secondary. You could see them as, as they got further into the season. So you say all that, and, you know, I, I think what Brady does, when you have these iconic-type competitors, right, and we've been watching The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, they just raise, um, you know, sort of the standards, and they affect everything, right? I mean, they come so prepared; um, they they insist on everybody being on on their level, and and I think you know uh, the coaches I've talked to said, you know, even now in the off season when they can't be together, if you're a receiver on this team, you're probably not going to you know blow off a workout and go to the beach with your girlfriend. You're going to say, hey, you know what? Tom Brady is here. Whenever we get together, I better know the I better know my playbook. He's certainly learning the playbook, and you know I've got to be on top of things. And then here come the national TV games. You know, five national TV games. Well, that certainly gets the attention of players when they know that the whole the whole world is going to be watching them that night. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that, that that comes with Brady almost overnight in that relevance that you spoke of. But it's not a it's not a horrible football team. It's not a team that that doesn't have talent in some in some key areas. Um, but you're right, it's a team game. And um, you know, he's an awfully big piece, but, but this won't be easy. It wasn't easy when Peyton Manning did it in Denver, uh, but somehow he managed to get them to two Super Bowls and win one of them. And that would be obviously the best case scenario if, uh, if in fact Brady could get them there.
1: Talk a little bit about the makeup of the team, because I know back at 2018, it was uh, one of the oldest teams in the league. It certainly got younger in the secondary. It does have some age in the front seven, particularly now that they've switched over to a 3-4 defense. But talk about the makeup of the talent of this team.
0: Well, they're kind of mixed, like you mentioned. I mean, they they got caught in between. At one point, they were a young football team trying to build around Jameis Winston. And they did a lot of that um, drafting, you know, guys like Donovan Smith and Ali Marpet. Um, you know, they obviously had Mike Evans, they added Chris Godwin, they added O.J. Howard. Uh, but a lot of their focus, you know, the last couple years has been on, on sort of building a secondary. They've drafted I think six or seven defensive backs in the last two years. And, you know, while those guys are young, um, you have a mixture on defense, and there are some old guys. I mean, Shaq Barrett came in and lit the league up by fire, you know, and had 19 and a half sacks as a free agent and they franchised him. He's 27 years old, but then you bring back guys like Jason Pierre Paul, who's 31 and, and Sue who's 33, but then he's next to Vita Vea, who's still, you know, going into his third or fourth year. So, I mean, you, you do have this mix with Levante, David and Devin white, the old and the young, and that's kind of the way they are. They got caught a little bit in between Um, you know, building around Jameis and then, and then filling in with some free agents. So, um, it's not a perfect mix, but there are enough, you know, players that if they were to stay healthy and older players as they get down the way usually don't, um, they would be okay, but it's not a deep team. It's certainly not deep on the defensive line. They could use some edge rushers. They could use some help, um, you know, there, but, uh, you know, not every team is perfect. And, and I would just say that in this division, they should be competitive. But you're right. What you what you started with is true. The New Orleans Saints are still, I think, the most talented roster in this division, and they got a 41 year old quarterback that can still spin it too.
1: Oh yeah, no question. And that's the thing. <clears throat> I I almost consider the Saints the most talented team in the whole NFC. You know, you know, San Francisco uh-huh. is close, uh, but I, I think overall, I mean, New Orleans is going to be a hard team to try to top.
0: I would agree. And yet, you know how it is with these division teams, John, and you see it in Seattle, you know, when, when the 49ers and them get together or even Arizona is a tough out, right? These teams are so familiar with each other's personnel that when they play, um, you know, even though I think it, you know, Las Vegas may have had New Orleans, a six and a half point favorite on opening day in that game in New Orleans, they're supposed to play. Um, but we know it'll be close, you know, because they're just so familiar with each other from a coaching standpoint, from schematics. But mostly from the personnel, and so all these division games are usually close. You know, the Bucks have gone five and three in the division. I think the last couple of years, it's been outside the division that they haven't done very well. So I think they'll be competitive with the Saints, but over a 16 game season is, is where you have to get them. And um, I would agree. I mean, until you can until you can win this division, and I know there'll be 14 teams in the playoffs this year, but until you can win the division, and give yourself a chance. In the postseason, you, you can't really say much. I mean, they got to go out and do it, and, and it's going to be really difficult for them.
1: Take us behind the scenes as far as how they ended up getting Tom Brady. Because I know <clears throat> that uh, you know certainly what we didn't know is that Brady pretty well had predetermined that he was not going to go back to New England. I guess he wanted his divorce from yeah. Bill Belichick and <clears throat> going a different direction. But, you know, how soon did the Bucks start getting involved? I know at the owners meeting, Bruce Arians did mention Brady. But take us to the behind-the-scenes as far as how they got this thing done.
0: Well, John, all I know is as early as the Super Bowl, um, Clyde Christensen and others were working on that pre-agent class of quarterbacks. You know, they were actually sitting down and doing reports like you would do for anybody. And, and I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, Mike Glennon was the hot name was the, was the highest paid free agent quarterback. So how far did they come? This was an unprecedented class with guys like Philip rivers, Teddy Bridgewater was somebody that they really had an interest in. He threw for 300 yards and four touchdowns against them early in the season at new Orleans. Um, and, and then you had Brady, right? And, and And of course, you know, you're sitting there doing reports and you're saying, okay, Tom Brady, intangibles, <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's kind of silly, but, um, obviously when you rank these guys and you say, is there any way, you know, and, and look, they, they actually went and had, they were so nervous about this that they had a code name for Tom Brady just within the building when they wanted to talk about it. And it was shoe, shoeless Joe Jackson. And it was, so operation shoeless Joe Jackson was, was the pursuit of Tom Brady. If you build it, you know, he will come. And so they did that. They built an argument uh, that they had set. And look, we're all, we're all not naive, right? We know what the legal uh, tampering period or, or the, uh, you know, the negotiation period is, but we also know um, that there are representatives and there are, you know, others that, that, that talk uh, about, about their, their clients, about their friends. And so I would imagine that the Bucks had pretty good Intel, that there was a more than good chance that he was going to leave new England. I mean, he didn't have a contract, you know, he kind of, wanted a long-term deal, didn't get it. And and I think other people, at least the, at least the Bucks realized that there was a real chance he might leave New England. So they did all their, their work. And, and, uh, you know, when it came down to to calling um, you know, his agent and then, and then eventually talking to Tom, it was obvious that Tom had been doing the same thing. And we know in his interview with Howard Stern, that he decided at the beginning of last year that this would be his, his final season. So, he knew the landscape, you know, the geography was in their place. They're on the East Coast. He has a son in New York, but more than that, I think it was a couple things. I think B A Brian, uh, you know, having Bruce Arians, who's who's got a pretty good client list of quarterbacks himself, who's handled these celebrity uh, quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls, um, you know, really helped. And then and then you know the talent on offense. I mean, he's got Mike Evans, he's got Chris Godwin and O J Howard, and he brings in Gronkowski, and they were willing to to allow him to do that and and also have collaboration with the offense uh, in terms of what it will look like, even though he's going to use their terminology. So all those things kind of just fell into place, and they knew pretty early on. I mean, look, the guy moved into Derek Jeter's mansion within a couple days, it seemed like. Um, So, you know, I I mean, I know my wife wouldn't move that far without knowing where she was going. So they have been looking at this thing for a while, at least uh, on Brady's side, and it all just kind of came together quickly.
1: Talk about strategically how Brady's talent and ability fits in a Bruce Arians offense.
0: Well, it doesn't look to be like a, a, a great marriage because, as you know, you know, Bruce is the no risk it, no biscuit guy. And he does love to push the ball down the field. He also likes to get five eligible, you know, all the time, which means that they can bring more guys than you can protect. Now, you know, they, they've looked at the last four years of Brady's tape and I've had coaches swear to me that they can't detect any lack of arm strength. Um, they think that he throws the ball as well. He's never been a, a real big movement guy in the pocket. We know that. Um, but he has functional mobility and you know, he, you know, nowadays when he sees somebody, if he sees them win cleanly off the line of scrimmage, he's not going to take the hit. He's going to throw the ball away, but he gets it out of his hands and. Look, they think they'll be, uh, you know, they'll be a happy medium there. I mean, they want him to drive the ball down the field. They have some guys that can do that. Um, and, and yet they also know that they have to get better at the running back position in terms of catching the football. And, you know, Ronald Jones caught 30 passes, but most of those were in the screen game. You know, they drafted, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, who's a guy that they think is a three down back that they're really, really high on. Mm-hmm. Those running backs now have to be involved in pass protection and in getting out in the routes because they're fine with Tom, you know, wanting to check the ball down, um, when it's there and, and, and kind of doing it his way. I mean, you could also see a situation where there's a lot of 11 personnel with Gronkowski now teaming with guys like, you know, OJ Howard or Cameron Bray. Um, so they've got lots of options, And but I think in the end, it'll look like a Brady offense, uh, with, with the elements and the ability to throw the ball down the field because that's, that's really what um, what BA wants to do, but there'll have to be a marriage there so that, um, so they can you know make this thing work.
1: Take us through now the, how the Gronkowski uh, trade uh, happened. Uh, was this purely Tom Brady working on him? Because again, they had OJ Howard as a, a fifth year option guy. And so uh, how that all started and how that all came together.
0: Well, from what I understand that Brady was the one um, that, that made the bucks aware that Gronkowski, uh, one wanted to play, and two wanted to play wherever he went, and um, he was pushing for it. Now O.J. Howard was somebody I know that uh, they had talks about trading. Um, they couldn't get the value they thought you know he was worth, uh, and then the more they thought about it, getting Rob Gronkowski, who has one more year left on his contract, and who knows what happens after 2020, um, but they thought putting him with O.J. Howard in that room would be would be great because O.J. has all the physical ability in the world. He's not the most instinctive player, you know. He, he's not a guy that has has really adapted to uh, reading the rotation of defenses on the cu- on the fly and these sort of things. So, you know, a guy's experience with Gronkowski is with with Brady, almost you know, eighty touchdowns in their career together. Um, they think will actually help OJ, and of course, they they also have Cam and Brady as well that they they re-signed or or negotiated kind of a, a new deal for him. So, I think that. You know, I think it was Brady pushing it. It was them looking at their roster and their salary cap and realizing, yeah, we can do this. And, and you want him to be comfortable. He literally doesn't have a former teammate on this roster. And, you know, that's unusual in this league. Um, but they wanted, they wanted Brady to feel comfortable and Gronkowski was motivated. His body feels better. So it all just kind of came together that way. And, um, yeah, it was kind of a bonus. You get Brady and you get Gronkowski.
1: No doubt, and uh, it's going to be kind of fun to watch how the two go in. Do, are they good enough at the running back position?
0: You know, I don't know that they that they are. Um, you know, I think I think Ronald Jones is is a guy that that has uh, explosive explosiveness, and he can run inside. Not a not a pure receiver. Um, you know, missed some assignments in blocking, which you know you miss one and you knock that quarterback out for the year. That's it. So there's a trust issue there. He was a young player that didn't handle the transition in the NFL very well. We've seen that before in this league. But now I think he's starting to get it. And, you know, again, I mean, I I thought maybe in the second round that they would take J.K. Dobbins, who was still on the board. There were still some – Cam Akers was there. There's some good running backs. They went with Antoine Winfield because they really thought he was a special player at safety. They have a need there. And then they came back and got Keyshawn Vaughn, who – uh, was a guy that transferred from Lovey Smith in Illinois. He goes to Vanderbilt where, you know, they're in the SEC playing uh, top competition every week, weren't a very good football team, didn't throw the ball very well, and yet he was extremely productive. And a guy that's an explosive player can do it in a run game in a pass game. So we'll see. And, you know, they got Adari Ogumbawale who was sort of a third down back and a special teams player for them. They lost Peyton Barber, who was a free agent, that, that really wasn't that productive. Uh, as a runner so um you know there's always there's always a chance you could find somebody else off the waiver wire or or someone who's still a free agent but I think they're pretty committed to these these mostly two guys um in Ronald Jones and and also in uh Keyshawn Vaughn Hmm.
1: summing it all up right now how many wins do you think they're going to have now with Brady Gronkowski the receiving duo and everything else
0: well, I mean, you know, you never know right? And, and you got to see how the season plays out. Uh, they got a lot of national TV games. they, they got you know Keith, they got, all their tough games seem to be at home, John, as far as the out of uh, division opponents. I mean, you're talking about Kansas City here, which is not going to be an easy game. Uh, the Green Bay Packers also come to Raymond James Stadium. Uh, but you know, just looking at at this division, I mean Carolina's in a rebuilding mode. We know they got Teddy Bridgewater. They're trying to build the defense first. Uh, Atlanta, we, you never know with Atlanta from year to year. I mean, they've kind of underachieved the last few seasons, although Dirk Cutter is back there now as offensive coordinator. But, but I think that, that they can do well in this division. They were five and three in it last year. Um, you know, they had seven weeks where they didn't play at home at all. It was a brutal schedule with 20,000 miles of flying that was involved in that. This is a much easier one, I think. And so they're looking at winning a minimum of 10 games that, you know, maybe 11 on the upside, 12, that they think will get them into the playoffs. And, of course, the goal is to win the division. So, I mean, I think anything less than, than, you know, 10 wins is probably going to be a disappointment when you end up, you know, going all in on a guy like Tom Brady.
1: Well, I just hope that uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson gets a chance to go to the facility and get some cleats and get some socks and all those different things.
0: (laughs) Exactly, man. I don't know what's happening with that. I mean, you know, that's the other thing that makes this difficult. And you can look at it one or two ways. He doesn't know these players he's going to be throwing to. And that's so important, to the quarterbacks that you talk to that have gone on to other teams. But by the same token, he's got 20 years of, uh, of experience. He knows some shortcuts, too. So, yeah, they've already got him a helmet and a uh, playbook. And I don't know what was in those duffel bags he carried in the Byron Leftwich house, but he took something away with him.
1: Absolutely. Hey, Rick Stroud, thanks for joining us on Schooled with the Professor.